0: Oh, nerds
1: and junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages, we're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it.
2: You're entering the Nerd United Nation's podcast.
0: Never apologize for being nerdy.
2: All
3: things geek are up for grabs.
0: Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes.
2: Here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots.
1: Hello junior ambassadors, nerds and nerds of all ages and welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Nation's podcast. I am your ambassador to the Midwest United States, Jared Boots, with me as always and now captain of the ship for today is my co-host to the Great White North of Canada, Miss Melissa Nicholson. Ahoy, captain. How are we doing today? <laughs>
0: hi (laughs) uh i'm doing pretty well and uh i hope i don't sink this ship
1: (laughs) i hope you don't either because i don't know how to swim so i'm like i'm like chief brody i don't swim i don't go in the water
0: well okay no pressure then (laughs) i heard um a little birdie told me that we have a, a guest with us you know about that jared
1: I know a lot of things, and I know I heard of some distinct laughter when I tried to rip a Jaws joke. <laughs> Who might that be, Melissa?
0: <laughs> well, <Wow. laughs> my my guess, and I think I'm going to be right on this, um, is the host of Please Rewind and Anything Goes Podcast, and that is Mr. Tim Rooney. How are you, Tim?
2: Hi. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I... I recognize that I have a distinctive laugh. It's really dependent on what the situation is. Uh, uh, like sometimes it's like really obnoxious, or it's me gasping for air, and and sometimes it really is me like I I can't breathe right now. And I, it's one of the things I've had to get used to recording myself through so many podcasts. I'm like, oh god, that's got to be so annoying to people. But thankfully, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. So. It's interesting, to say the least.
0: Mm-hmm. And thank
2: you guys for having me.
0: Oh, you're Very welcome. Thank you for agreeing to be on our, on our little podcast.
2: Of course, of course. And, and um, I do have a funny story that happened earlier today. It's, it could have potentially been a bad story. Um, because I had messaged you earlier today, Jared, to confirm that we were recording today. But I did the bad thing to do that while I was driving. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I did come like, guy in front of me stopped short when I was messaging you. And luckily, at the last moment, I slammed both my feet on the brake and just came inches away from bumping the dude in front of me. And that's why I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the phone down and I'm just going to try very calmly and I'll get back to him when I get home. <laughs> so, lesson, everybody, is... uh don't look at your phone when you're driving. Yeah, we've been told that for years. And uh, I was gently reminded not to do that without any real cost. Just a, just a thump in my chest for the next couple minutes.
1: And be sure to not send any hate mail to me because I was unaware until now.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. Like uh, It would not have been your fault. I would not have like sent you the insurance bill. Like, yeah, this is your fault. It wasn't my fault that I was not paying attention to the road in front of me. <laughs>
1: They're like what the hell is this in the mail? I don't know anybody in Long Island.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, geez. Ugh. So oh, I'm glad you're safe. And uh, to go back to your laugh, you know what? I must say you do have a very distinguishable and enjoyable laugh, much like Guy Milks too. <laughs>
2: uh, but it, it, that's why it just it eggs me on to making laugh as much as possible, and uh. But uh, but also half the time I'm just making myself laugh at much to his chagrin where he just can't stand my uh, my bad puns or just turns of phrases and like that's why in the real fans group I posted a picture I think yesterday it's it's from r- frame Roger Rabbit with Eddie Valiant's throat around Roger Rabbit's uh, neck and I'm, like his hand around uh, Roger Rabbit's throat I'm like yeah that would be us in real life and uh, I know I'm gonna die laughing that's one way or the other
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I could totally see that absolutely and i and I have it's to easy. say that that Guy Milkes has the most contagious laugh ever. like he starts laughing, I start laughing like <laughs> oh, it's boy. Great.
1: if you gotta go, go with a smile
2: precisely <laughs> <sighs> oh.
0: So we've, we've mentioned you quite a few times on our on our episodes and things. All good things, don't worry. <laughs> <you soon enough. laughs> don't have anything bad to say about you.
2: <laughs> That's good, but, thank you.
0: <laughs> but why don't you take a minute and just kind of quickly introduce yourself.
2: Uh, hi, uh... My name is Tim, and no, I'm not an alcoholic. Um,
0: but, <laughs> Hi, Tim.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, I am a filmmaker and podcaster from Long Island, New York. Uh, the two shows that I do are the Anything Goes podcast, which is my own personal show where it's very much like how this show. is. It's just kind of like a topic by topic kind of discussion of geek and pop culture uh, the other podcast, Please Rewind, the RF4RM Retro Shows for the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network. Where that's more about talking about movies when it comes to anniversaries. At the time of this recording, uh, our next episode is going to be Casino Royale, but uh, and, and, which is going to be exciting. Because it's, it's, uh, Jamie returns to the uh, show for that one. And it, it's funny, like, we... We got on Skype and we started talking for like cars, for like an hour. And then we're like, all right, maybe we should start talking about the movie itself. And like nearly three hours later, we're like, OK, I think we talked about the movie enough. And <laughs> as soon as the recording's over, Jamie's like, you're carrying me back up to bed. And I'm like, oh, look at the time I had to get to bed myself. You're going to have to carry yourself up there. But yeah, it's it's a fun time. And I always look forward to doing episodes like that. And uh, yeah, and I'm based on the topic for tonight for this show. I really had to rack my brain for one of the one of the questions because I was wondering, like, is there really a bad one of this topic? And I'm kind of excited to see what your choices are.
0: Yeah, I I thought I think we might
1: be all something the same question actually.
0: (laughs) This was the something that I had kind of been rattling around in my head for a little bit because I thought it'd be kind of interesting to, you know, explore the the two different things and and you know, see, kind of look at, you know, how the different things like CGI and practical have aged and have they aged well, have they not? Like I thought it would be kind of something, you know, a really fun discussion. And I thought you, would, Tim, you would be the perfect person for that because you're a filmmaker, you love movies, and I figured you were the perfect fit, so.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for that. I appreciate uh, that compliment and you are willing to like to invite me on here. So for that, I'm very grateful for that.
0: You're very welcome Mm -hmm. So I think we can um, Our topic for For this episode Is practical versus CGI So we're going to be looking at whether uh, CGI Certain films have We've picked five films And if they have The CGI in the film has aged well If the practical has aged well If the CGI has not And also if the practical has not So we're going to go do a roundtable discussion, as we've done in previous episodes, and um, we'll get started. So, Tim, starting with you, uh, what film did you pick for practical that has aged well?
2: Yeah, uh, this one, like, uh, I was wondering, like, all right, which one should I choose? And it came down to two of them, both in the same series, but I had to go with the sequel. Uh, It's James Cameron's Aliens. Uh, it's, yeah, and mainly it's because it's the giant queen battle at the end of the movie that it's a mixture of a miniature queen alien and then a giant puppet that required 14 people to operate and you can, you can barely tell that it, it looks incredible and every version of the queen since then that's been CGI, it's a little iffy to say the least I think it, I think the Queen looks fine. Alien versus Predator, the first one. I think that's like one of the good compliments of a CGI Queen Alien that I can say of. And and I even asked Jared earlier. It stays like, all right, does it have to be an individual effect that looks good, or is the whole movie? And you said like, oh, it's the whole movie. And I'm like, okay, like you, one could argue maybe some of the rear screen projection looks a little iffy with aliens, but I think those happen by so quickly that it's never distracting. It's only if you're really looking for it. And yeah, I think aliens will stay in the test of time. And the reason why I chose it over alien is because there's one really bad cut in alien when we're looking at the Ash head, uh, that's totally just not Ian Holmes' head through the bottom of a table. And you can totally tell it's like a really rough cut from the prop uh head to Ian Holmes' head. And I'm like, that's the one thing that kept me off the list from choosing alien over aliens. Mm.
1: <laughs> Very good choice. And uh That's probably one of the. Well, I have a sequel on my list later, but uh, that's actually a pretty good choice. And uh, hearing you mention aliens makes me think back to a few years ago. I took my dad to see Paul Reiser at my old alma mater in college. And uh, he got the. He answered questions from the crowd. And my dad asked him about uh, his role in Aliens, why they cast him as the weasel in Aliens. And simply, Paul Reiser's uh, answer was he has a weasley looking face. That's why he cast. <laughs> <gasps> I
2: he's so candor about that.
1: Yeah, he, he was, he was pretty damn funny. Like, I got, hadn't seen much of him outside of that, or is it season two stranger things or mad about you, but he, he was pretty damn entertaining.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So Jared, what's, what's your pick for practical effects that have aged well?
1: Well, now that I know, Tim did not steal mine, because I I went with the obvious one. I think ages will, and that would be John Carpenter is the thing. And uh, when, I, when I originally thought of my list, I was going to go with American Wolf in London, because I knew for sure Melissa was going to pick the thing. <laughs> but to my <laughs> surprise, I went with John Carpenter is the thing. And I... Uh, and I think anybody who knows me well enough knows that this is a movie I recommend up and down, unless you listen to the last episode that we recorded and you hear, apparently, I whispered Melissa's ear all the time to watch American World from London and the female version of Ghostbusters. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. I, so 1982, so this film's almost 40 years old. And <laughs> even coming down to the effects of, uh, is it Copper losing his arms during the, uh, the scene still looks great years later. And uh I think no director in history like there's a lot of directors that can handle and special effects guys that can handle practical effects very well. But I think Carpenter is the master when it comes to this, and it shows in other works too. Like in uh particularly Christine was another one I was kicking around for this title too, or for this uh category. But I think Carpenter was at the top of his game, I think, when it came to handling practical effects in this film. And uh, so Rob Botten, who uh, was nominated for a Saturn Award for this film, ended up losing to uh, Return of the Jedi. Mm. I guess...
2: mm. Jabba is iconic.
1: Yeah, well, well, unless Carrie Fisher being in the bikini was a practical effect.
2: Oh. I could so see Some say she was born guy. with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, many a dreams are probably started from that one, if not from early Star Wars movies.
1: Not pretty much, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't see an episode of Friends where Rachel dresses as a regular Leia. Well speaking of dreams, apparently uh I guess it's was it I don't know if it was well known, but uh Rob Botten uh ended up like hadn't stepped away from the film for a while because of exhaustion because how hard he was working. Uh he was getting like du- he had double pneumonia and he had a bleeding ulcer all from working on this film. But he also had nightmares of the creatures he was creating for this film.
0: <laughs> oh wow.
2: I mean he was working seven days a week living at the studio yeah for nearly a year it's like yeah that's it's gonna take a toll on you and I think that's why I and mean, he never he never pushed himself that far afterwards, but it never it was, his work never diminished afterwards like you think of uh stuff like in legend or Total recall or seven like yeah, the dude kept making really great work or Robocop i mean he designed Robocop for. For goodness sake. So, yeah, like he did great work, but you're right. The thing is his crowning achievements. Mm-hmm.
1: And he, every every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears he has on the screen, it's like nothing's wasted. And even even with uh, Stane Winston stepping in to do the puppet for the dog kennel scene, still looks just as great, too. And Stane Winston, of course, also a legend in the field, too. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, It it was funny. I don't know if I told the story before, but there was a screening of the thing on 35 millimeter film in New York city. And it was happened to be a day when I was working, I was at work and I found out like at lunchtime. And so I lied to my boss saying I had to leave early to go to a dentist appointment too. So I left work early, hopped on the train and went in to see the thing, but it's in the middle of August and it's just heat wave. And I thought my shoes were going to melt the pavement as I walked to the theater. Get in the theater. I sit in my seat. Theater fulls up. Lights go down. Movie starts up. And then, of course, it opens up with a snowy landscape. As soon as the snow comes on, the AC kicked in and the entire theater just collectively sighed together. Everybody felt so comfortable right there in that moment.
0: <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> So my-pulled pulled a
1: Kevin Smith the first night he went to go see uh Batman 89 for the first time.
2: Yeah, he like he got like this is like first day of the job, right? And then just bounced <laughs> to go see Batman, which I, I can't blame him. <laughs> no,
0: nope. Yeah. Can't blame him at all.
1: <laughs> Sorry to cut you off there, Melissa. Go ahead.
0: Oh, it's all good. All good. So my my pick for uh practical effects that have aged well. Now, you're probably going to think, obvious choice, whatever, but I, I changed my mind a few times. And finally, I decided on Reanimator. Ooh, ooh. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> so just, I was thinking, like, how, you know, like the, the, like the doctor's head, like how it talks and moves and everything, like, that's still pretty effective. Like and just uh, the other effects in the film too are just really good. You know, they're, they they don't look, you know, they they don't look cheesy. They don't look like you know, um, they they really don't look bad. And that was that was one that came to mind. And uh, yeah, this one needs needs the mention. So, yeah.
2: I mean, it's one of those indelible images of. Barbara Crampton laying on the operating table and the head attempting to give head. I'm just like, at that point in the movie, I'm like, what? There's always so much zaniness up to that point. But at that point, I'm like, no, they're not going to. And and then all hell literally breaks loose right afterwards. I'm like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. Glad
1: to know I'm not the only one whose first mind went to naked Barbara Crampton getting head from a head. (laughs) <laughs> when they think of reanimator,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like like what we said before. Like how many virgin sexual uh, feelings started with like Princess Leia in the Slave Leia outfit? Probably started the same way. People seeing reanimate at a very young age. <laughs> true. Yeah,
1: it's true. Barbara Campion. Almost was it thirty years later? Still has it too. Thirty uh, forty years later, still has
2: it. She's aged so gracefully. Like, I, I, every now and then, like, Guy and I will message each other. And, like, Parker Craven still has it. And we'll be like, yeah, she does. And it's just random, like, m- it could be in the middle of in the night. Like, one of us will just find a, a recent photo of her. We're, like, she still has it. I know, right? And <laughs> and we just gush over her all the time because we just find her, like, she's incredibly A, talented, and B, gorgeous.
0: Mm, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I, say, I remember seeing her in a film as recent as... Probably the late two thousands called Beyond the Gates, and she's in that one too. And she still looks good in that one. I want to say maybe maybe early early twenty tens. She's in yeah. that one. Low budget and looks good still. It also reminds me of the discussion, but between me and Guy and uh, David Wang on Guy's status when he said he was watching Casino Royale, and I give the gif of Homer Simpson drooling when I say Eva Green. <laughs> <laughs> Mon dieu. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is turned to a very thirsty episode of <laughs> Night Nations right there. And uh, and this is one that guy's not on, so that that's just a, <laughs> it's astounding right there. Like um so maybe that's his his effect rubbing off on me or something like that. <laughs> Ter- horrible phrase of uh, use of words there, but whatever, I'm gonna roll <laughs> with that.
1: Welcome back to the three single lonely
2: nerds podcast. Slow note.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our closing theme song is just the sad Hulk music.
2: (laughs) We all realize it's too cold and turn around. Come back. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm ask, right. so before we
1: before we move on so I do, let's say uh, the the puppet created for the black cat too also performed very well too mm-hmm. in reanimator
2: absolutely I feel bad for that cat yeah I know it's a puppet but i like the, the the shrieks it gives I'm like oh no please yeah please put it yeah.
0: down yeah but I do please. love the the you know the cat dead details later like that.
1: Oh, that's funny. One <laughs> of my, it's, it's one of my favorite lines from that show of being that avid animal lover i do love that line though
0: <laughs> it's a great <laughs> line <laughs> it's just it's it's so blunt and honest but then it's like well you know yeah details later yeah this is what it is just let's move on
2: <laughs> I, I mean it's almost as uh blunt as *Boondock saints when they kill the cat and then like they the exit room of where the cat used to be is the bullet went through the wall. They put a picture of the cat <laughs> yeah. to cover the wall where there's still entrails and brains stained <laughs> on the wall.
1: Is it dead?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <sighs>
1: uh, yeah. R- RIP kitty cats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've talked about practical and movies that have used practical effects and that have aged well. Let's move on to CGI effects. What movie do you think um that used CGI effects that has aged well? What do you think, Tim? Um
2: this was curious because I think it's a lot easier to choose a one that's not aged so well. Mm. And like I like I know there's there's two obvious choices and I feel like those might come up later, but I decided to go a little deeper and I chose uh, Lord of the Rings The Two Towers because I think Gollum still looks good nearly 20 years later for a nearly CGI character mm-hmm. uh, is that almost 20 years old already because uh, fellowships this year is 20 and then Two Towers is 20 next year
1: Jesus Christ where is my life gone
2: uh, you're telling me <laughs> Ugh. Was uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> I, I bought a plot for the three of us. That's what I was doing. That's what I was really doing before the episode cuz so oh, I realized okay. our doom was impending.
1: I feel I like Red Red Sanford. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh jeez. Um yeah, and I think the fact that like there's a lot of CGI in that movie, but I think the fact that it's blended with so many other effects that it's not a wholly digital experience, which is a easy complaint you can have against the Hobbit movies, but I think that's why the original should succeed so much is because, yes, there's a lot of CGI in all three of those movies, but it's used carefully and a blended of other effects with there. That's why I mean, think it's, it's the right approach to have with CGI effects, because otherwise you're just looking at pure animation. Like, I love the Marvel movies, especially as Especially like Infinity War, but there are times like there's whole sections of that movie, it's just ones and zeros being rendered that we're watching. And not saying it's a bad thing or anything, but there is a loss of I, I don't say tactileness, but like, yeah, you realize you're just looking at animation, which can be fun, but I feel like there is a separation between the audience and the movies if you just have pure animation with CGI. And that's why I think Two Towers holds up.
0: Mm -hmm. very nice
1: I don't don't think I could contribute much to this conversation right now because it's just been forever since I've seen those films so they're a little fuzzy in my mind I apologize for that
0: and I've only seen Fellowship of the Ring that's the only one I've seen (laughs) I haven't haven't watched the other ones and well uh, (laughs) and
2: and did Jared make a joke earlier that you've not seen American Werewolf in London I have. Okay.
0: It there okay. Sh- should there be a short story time?
2: <laughs> well, with a preface like that, you have
0: to say yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So I I had watched an American werewolf in London once, and I really didn't get into it. It was I don't know, maybe it was just wrong day to watch it i don't know but i really didn't get into it and i was quoted in saying that it it was cheesy (laughs) and (laughs) and so i was dubbed the cheese enigma because i thought that was cheesy but then i could watch chopping mall and be fine with it so wrap your head around that one
1: i guess all you get was a you get topless Barbara Crampton and chopping There we go, bring back getting, to Barbara
0: Crampton right
1: there. you get naked David Naughton in uh, American <laughs> Wolf in London. Hmm. Well, <laughs> naked American man stole my balloons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I didn't really get into it. So then, um, Jared kind of kept nudging me to like watch it again you should you know watch it again watch it again uh okay fine i'll watch it again and the second time around i really enjoyed it i really love the film so there you go (laughs) that's
2: just an important lesson the lesson to it really depends on the day like like i've said this before uh like i saw spider-man homecoming and i was a very bad place. I got stood up for a date and everything and I was like, oh, Spider-Man will cheer me up. But, like, near the third act when Peter Parker's almost dead, the building's collapsing on him. I was like, no, good. Hope it crushes a little shit. I don't care. <laughs> like, I hope Michael Keane destroys the entire plane. Like, I was I was a real, real uh, bitter person right there. But I was just, like, you saw it again in a better mindset and enjoyed it. But, yeah. Uh, I I'm just curious now. Like, have you seen the Howling?
0: I have, and that one, eh, I, I, I don't know. That,
2: I can see that one being cheesy.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I didn't really. I don't. Th- I don't know if I really found it cheesy, but it was just. Eh, I don't. I don't know. It wasn't something. It wasn't one that I really kind of got really sort of engaged with while watching it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it's okay, but. Yeah. I figured I'd ask. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe one day I'll give it a second chance, but I, I think the second chance will still be. Yeah, it's okay.
2: <laughs> that's, that's the saying that a lot of us have adopted menus at restaurants.
0: Exactly. Huh. Nice to have
1: animated werewolf sex in it, though.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy.
2: (laughs) So, who goes next?
0: Uh, It would be Jared. What was your pick uh, for Hmm. CGI that has aged well?
1: Well... Originally, I was gonna pick the this uh, particular series of films for my underrated one, but uh, I ended up doubling back and decided to make this one the one that held up. And I chose uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Man's Chest. Huh? Because I was originally gonna think I originally thought in my mind that the first one was underrated because, for being 2003, the transformations of like, Jeffrey Rush and Johnny Depp from regular form to Cursed Pirate form was pretty damn smooth for 2003, but then when I started doing deeper dives into the film series itself, so the first three films were all uh, nominated for Oscars for best visual effects, but the second one ended up winning. Mm. And when I was breaking down why I liked the visual effects in each film, it boiled down to Davy Jones and his crew in the second film, and that's why I picked Dead Man's Chest because it's just. Uh, Bill Nye looks so damn good. And I, I didn't write down how, what, was it 2005, 2006, I think when that film came out. So about that time.
2: I think so. Mm-hmm.
1: So all these years later, 15-ish years later, I think Bill Nye's Davy Jones still looks good and would hold up. Compare, And if you threw him in a modern Pirates film, he would still look just as good as anything else.
0: Absolutely, I I definitely agree on that one. Like I I saw, I think I saw that movie when when it came out, and you know it looked amazing then, and it still does now. Like I own the film and have seen it, you know, several times over, and yeah, it's it's really aged well, and I think will continue to. It just it looks really good.
2: Yeah, it, it's one of the things that I find really fascinating because for 2005, like, there's a lot of movies in 2005 that don't look that good, and the fact that it still holds up is amazing. I mean, I remember I was in a Sears, of all places, and they were showing off uh, the new Blu-ray copy of Dead Man's Chest on all the TVs, and just, like, had a huge close-up on Davy Jones, and I'm like, that looks really good, even though they had the huge motion smoothing, like, the 120 hertz find there, so everything looked like 60 frames a second i'm like that looks weird but still looks very heavily detailed um like that's the tv's fault not the filmmakers Mm -hmm. but yeah it's really really cool and i don't know i haven't seen any of the pirates movies after the third one and like after the third one opens up with like hanging children and i'm like (laughs) jesus christ movie i mean I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm gonna start early tonight if I'm gonna this is how the movie's opening up. Uh,
1: <laughs> as, as the nostalgia critic would say, a family picture.
2: <laughs> I believe that
1: he'd use that in the episode when the kid's getting hungry, he but he flung the Disney logo
2: up on there. <laughs> Adventure ho question <laughs> mark. But yeah, that's a really good choice right there. I did not think about that.
1: Yeah, uh, no. I uh recently last summer i was i took a half a sick day from work trying to nurse myself from a concussion that i got the night before playing softball so i'm sitting here laying in my sitting in my apartment in the dark so you know i'm gonna watch all five pirates films because i own all five of them and i i enjoy the fourth and fifth when they're not as good as the original trilogy but um and i'm sitting there even the i can't think of his name now who uh plays salzar in the fifth one, Yes. Harvey Bardem. Even, like, I would say Davy Jones looks better than him. Harvey Bardem still looks good for being a ghost pirate. And the ghost sharks look really cool. But I still say, like, all the villains that they've shown, I, Bill Nye's Davy Jones looks by far the best. Mm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been the concussion talking. Like I just said, I was trying to nurse a concussion, so... <laughs>
2: Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, I know there's probably some snarky person out there like watching Pirates 4 and 5. It's like having a concussion, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm, like, I, I, I'm like, I don't think those are though bad. But uh, I'm like, I just don't know how the fifth one is so goddamn expensive. Like, the fifth Pirates movie is like in like the top three most expensive movies ever made.
1: It was up there. So they're, not, they're just not as good as the first three. They're still pretty good, but they're just not as good as the first three.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree on that. The first three are are great, and the other two—I mean, they're they're fine. I've seen all all of them, but the three are are the the best ones, I think. the The other two are kind of just like—I mean, they're fine, but it's it's different. Like they have their their differences from like what you see in like the the other three. So it's yeah, but it is what it is. Mm. <laughs> so for my my pick of cgi that has aged well i actually had to do a little bit of digging for this one because i was having a hard time picking a film and so um i i was looking through like just to to kind of get some ideas and thoughts from like different lists and things that people have compiled of films that you know Practical is age well and things like that
3: mm. And
0: one of the ones that came up And I and I have to agree Um so I, I Obviously picked that one was Doctor Strange And that one came out in 2016 so I think it's What is it six years old now Six seven years old And
2: uh, five.
0: Um, five Okay I thought it was a little bit more Than that but um but yeah they were they were saying that like it's you know the effects everything like how like in the one scene there's all the the twisting buildings and things and how he's sort of manipulating everything it still looks really good, like from when it first came out to now and i and I have to agree like it looks really cool, and I think it's still gonna look really cool, you know, gears down the line um I, I it's a really that that whole movie is. Like I think, visually pleasing. Like it just looks very cool.
1: Shot in kaleidoscope vision.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like if William Castle was releasing that movie, that's how he'd advertise it. It's like <laughs> in kaleidoscope vision. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like. Now, I remember I, I just rewatched
1: Doctor Strange. Is probably one of the last few Marvel films I've actually enjoyed too and uh so it's black panther and uh i just re-watched Tucker strange not that long ago with a friend of mine probably like back in january or february and i'm like watching that on her tv i'm like i am so glad i did not watch this in 3d because this probably would have made me sick just watching how frequently the scenery changes how everything twisting flopping around I'm like this film would have made me sick but uh I do agree. that It's a good choice. It, I didn't really think about that one. And I never, Melissa, you and I talked off air. There was times about uh, came to CG effects for good and bads. Like, what's the window you go with? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to pick something new or something or something super new because you can't time. Only time will tell if it will look good or not. Because I know we talked about maybe using 2019 Hellboy as when it might not age well. Mm-hmm. Like then again, it's still fairly new, so yeah, I I, I approve of this choice, Doctor Strange. It's it's a good choice. I didn't think about that one at all, actually, especially when it comes to the, the Marvel films as a whole.
0: Because mm, I know, like, you know, like some of the, the Marvel films, like some of the the CG like animation, it sometimes like it's it's sometimes not the best. Like it it doesn't blend in well with the environment. Like you know, it's <laughs> it's not a real thing. And I think they did a really amazing job with this one. Like it just, you know everything that's going on in the film, and it just it looks really good. Um, it, it you know you you know it's all CGI computer effects, but it looks like realistic. it looks it just blends so well and and uh, yeah. So now yeah. that we've we've gushed about ones that have aged well, we have to go to the not so great ones <laughs> that haven't aged very well. <laughs> so we're going to start with um, the practical effects that have not aged well. And what is your pick, Tim?
2: Um, the practical effects that didn't age well. This is the one that stumped me.
0: I because, think it stumped all of us.
2: And I'm like wondering, like, all right, like, this, that's why like, I want the clarification is like one movie Make it like, oh, if one practical effect doesn't work, does it ruin the whole movie? Like uh, and he said, no, it's got to be the whole movie. And I'm like, all right, because like one could argue in the original Terminator, like the the, the Terminator with like the w- missing eye and like, eh, it's not that great. But uh, in like it does it break down the whole movie. No. So I went with uh, speaking of Marvel comic books, I went with Howard the Duck.
1: Oh, you son of a bitch! I almost picked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I, I mean, I think Howard himself still looks fine. It's everything else that's like, it's questionable. I mean, I don't know why they need to be, oh, a duck with uh, with breasts, um, seemingly pleasuring herself in the bathtub at one point. You're like wondering what. And then the weird scorpion things, and how the monster comes out of the the out of the uh, Principal Rooney from Ferris Bueller. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, which nobody's ever teased me about that whatsoever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so like, how are the Dog I'm like, yeah, that's the one I'm feeling right there because I'm like, ugh, that one does not hold up.
1: I I actually just watched Howard the Duck today because I was on the fence of picking that one. And I wanted to use it as a side-by-side comparison for the one I actually picked. And uh, I agree. Howard the Duck, Howard himself doesn't look super horrible. And who knows, maybe the female duck was voiced by Barbara Crampton. We don't know.
2: (laughs) I'm just going to tie everything (laughs) back to there. (laughs) That's the way I expected this uh, this podcast.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Back to the All Barbara Campton podcast. All Barbara, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, one particular effect I saw in watching the film again today was when uh, Jeffrey Jones, when he's being possessed by the dark overlord, is when he needs more power and that has that tentacle come out of his mouth and stick into the, uh, the outlet. Uh, that one I didn't think looks... Too bad. And when the uh, the when the Dark Overlord in his actual form kind of remind me of the Rancor from uh, Return of the Jedi, a little bit. But I I could see where you're coming from, especially when you look at the whole vast array of Marvel itself that Howard would be raining in there at the bottom.
2: I, I mean, like I think the Tentacle Tongue thing, like just as an idea, like I'm like I just don't approve. Like I do not approve of these shenanigans right here. So maybe that's not reason why I chose it. And, yeah, like, it's, I remember Graham Morrison telling a story on the original Fatman on Batman years ago where he was, uh, I forget, oh, he was practicing dark magic. He was doing dark magic rituals in his uh, home and while on drugs. And, like, he saw, like, weird scorpion monsters going to be coming at him. And he's like, all right, I'm going to just watch TV and try and calm down. And he, it's the end of How the Dark and he sees a dark Overlord coming at him at the in the tunnel. He's like, "Oh God, no! That's what's coming at me!" And like that, thats the reason why. As much as I love Grant Morrison and the, the idea of practicing chaos magic sounds fun, I don't want to open a portal to another place and screw up my life like that. That's that's a cautionary tale to me.
1: As soon as you say Grant Morrison, I knew exactly where you were going with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for that same episode I got the inspiration to go out to Kathmandu and do those steps in one breath to see if I could achieve total enlightenment. But
2: I wanna I do that.
1: I, I I can't make I don't make Grant Morrison money. <laughs> just go up and go to Kathmandu.
2: Yeah, like like yeah, let me drive everything, go to Nepal and, and then go to Kathmandu and just like 365 steps in one breath. Pfft, I got this. <laughs> Oh,
1: yeah. I think we should all know that Jeffrey Jones after this film, he went and married Catherine O'Hara. They had one known and writer and they moved to a nice house out in Connecticut where nothing strange ever happened
2: to him again. Just uh-huh. Harry Belfonte blasting all the time.
1: <laughs> Changed his name to Chuck. It was fine.
2: <laughs> oh boy. There, there's a practical effects holds up right there. Beale juice. Yep.
0: Absolutely. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. So, Jared, what's your pick for practical effects that have not aged well?
1: Well, like I said, I was leaning on the side of Howard the Duck, and originally, when I first started this, I was leaning on the side of Seat of Chucky because those dolls do not look good at all, in my opinion. But... um and that I don't care. You can fight me. Child's Play Three is not the worst of the franchise. It's Seed Chucky. <laughs> but um, I end up going with another kind of doll, and I went with the Garbage Pail Kids movie. And I have to cap that off by saying this is a movie that I do enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I see Tim shaking his head right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the the effects on the cabbage, the Garbage Pail Kids, did not look good at all. And uh, I remember I think I read something about how the effects team were rushed on the costumes. And the reason why I watched Howard the Duck today for recording this was I wanted to compare it side by side because Howard the Duck has a sort of similar setup to what these dolls have. And you look at how what Howard the Duck was able to accomplish the year before and what uh, with the Howard suit and you look at. For example, what the Kyoto Brothers accomplished with uh, the uh, Killer Clown costumes the year after, or even the Jim Henson Jim Henson Creature Workshop was able to create with, like Hoggle in 1985 and Labyrinth, and look what we get with uh, the Garbage Pail Kids in uh, 1987. I and mean, it's not a good movie at all, but I enjoy it for the Dumpster Fire it is. But. uh <laughs> I'm thinking maybe they could have gone maybe down the route of maybe having the, the small people in more of a makeup effect instead of uh, the 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 heads that they went with to begin with. I mean, Alligator would have probably been a little tough to pull off, but maybe that's something they could have tried approaching.
2: Well, if they went with more makeup than the puppeted heads... I feel like that—that that nightmare fuel be on the level of like Return to Oz. It'd be like them oh, and the I Wheelers. It, <laughs> it, it would be ridiculous.
3: Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez.
1: well, I did read that. I did. I did read an alternate. I did read an alternate take was supposed to make it like more of a horror movie where they were going to turn into serial killers.
2: Yeah, after seeing those masks, I'd rework the script too. Be like, no, we can't sell these to kids. <laughs> <sighs> uh,
1: well, why not? How many? How many kids? How many kids were dressed up as Freddy Krueger in 1984 when uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out? Every kid. Mm. Yeah. So much to the fact that the girl that played Tina was handing out candy at her mom's house and saw how many kids. Dressed up as Freddy Krueger at her mom's house, and according to IMDb, she told one of the kids that she was uh, Tina in the movie, and the kid didn't believe her.
2: <laughs> she then threw herself against the ceilings multiple times to prove the point, and the kid ran away crying.
1: Yeah. But this is or not had her potential. mom drag her across the hallway in a body bag. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she spit, she spilled, spit up a millipede. It was really elaborate to prove her point.
1: <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do for your craft man
2: uh, which is like of course it's, it's crash commercialization but Freddy Krueger is a child murderer and a child molester if you read between the lines and all the kids dressing up for Halloween you just like you're, maybe it was me being I'm clutching my pearls here metaphorically <laughs> like, like do you, why do you kids dressing up like that and then you're just like uh whatever I guess we have to roll with it
0: yep Probably couldn't get away with that today But that's a whole other story
1: <laughs> And my cat seemingly agrees But I thought she was more of a Halloween fan myself
0: <laughs> So yeah, my um, this one Has really, really stumped me um, for for practical effects that haven't aged well. And I, I still kind of leave it blank. Um, but I kind of went the route of thinking of a film that uses practical effects, um, but may not age well later on. And it was actually um, a recent film that I watched, which is a lot of fun. It uses mostly... Uh, Practical effects. Um, I think there might there I think there's a little bit little bit of CGI, but mostly it's all practical. Like all the creatures, all everything. And it's a movie called Psycho Gorman. And it came out uh, I think it came out last year. Last year or twenty nineteen? Can't remember which one. Um, but it's a it's it's a fun film. Um I, I really enjoy it. It's just kooky humor. It's kind of like An 80s movie set in modern times. Like, it has an 80s movie cheesy vibe to it. Um, But I think that, you know, um, 10 years down the road, it's probably not going to age very well. But I I also can't knock it because the creativity is astounding in in this film. So, yeah. So, that that was my pick. But... (laughs)
2: I've heard of the movie. I've not seen it yet, so I can't really comment. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, it's, not,
1: it's a, like,
0: an independent film, Canadian made. So, yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> so like we funny. said, like I, um, Wilson and I talked off air. It was so hard to pick one for this category because you really do not want to crap on a movie for using practical effects. Like, it's so hard. Like, like yeah, there's one that don't look good, but you don't want to beat them down for going that route like they, they might not look good but you don't want to beat them down like friday the 13th franchise probably not all those effects don't look the best all the time but at the yeah. same time they look so it's it's not cg blood at the end of the day but it, does it look the best but no but like you can't they're putting a corner that's the route they had to go with to do practical you don't want to put them down for it but it just makes it so hard like i don't want to be the internet bully and say this one sucks but I gotta <laughs> uh,
0: like I almost Oh go on Melissa. No, you can go. Uh
2: thank you. Uh, um I almost chose Freddy's Dead, Nine Elm Street Six as a bed like practical effect. I'm just like like I, let me but then it would it fall into cheesy where some of the deaths, like you're falling on a bed of spikes at one point that had to put push into the road like it's a roadrunner gag. Um, but I'm like am I just judging the movie because I don't like the movie and I'm just looking for reasons to hate, on it, hate it and I'm like maybe <laughs> even though it does have one it has two of the dumbest lines in the entire series but I love one with the Wizard of Oz parody and Freddie goes I'll get you my pretty and your little soul too <laughs> and he flies off and I'm like that's that's banana shoes and then when he's when he's like Hey, you forgot the power glove. And he's got the he's got his own power glove gauntlet. I'm like, that is dumb on so many levels. But I think they're reveling in it. So I kind of enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you kind of you kind of watch it for the for the fun of it, like not so much taking it seriously. You just this is just kooky and what it is, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly too hard as progressively worse as some of that uh, that franchise have got, has gotten uh, Robert Engler never phoned it in either like he still gave 110% every performance too So
2: he always did
1: now you're playing with
2: power oh. <laughs> <laughs> I beat my high
1: score ha ha
0: ha ha, ha, ha i
1: swore robert england was
2: here for a minute melissa
0: (laughs) that's that's what i thought like where where did tim go
2: i don't know where he went (laughs) that's weird when you hear him in like regular conversations you don't realize robert england's voice is high and they drop in in post for that register i'm like oh right he does have a normal speaking voice (laughs) and i found
1: out have you ever seen jack brooks monster slayer
2: uh no i've not
1: I think Guy will back me up on this. It's like a cheesy Canadian independent horror film, but Robert England is like having the time of his life in that film too. It is <laughs> if you can find it it is it's pretty damn good like it's it's like a hundred percent Canadian with the accents and stuff it, but, and the practical effects look pretty good in it too but it, yeah Robert England's having having the time of his life
0: in that film. I'll have
2: to check it out. Thank you. Mhm.
0: So now let's move on to um, CGI that is not aged very well. Tim, what is your pick? Uh,
2: I mean, there's two dozen lists on the internet of CGI that hasn't aged well. This is like this is probably the second hardest category. It's like choosing one that doesn't look well. <laughs> I mean, like there's there's obviously the heavy hitters. Like there's some of the Resident Evil sequels. There's a the Scorpion King. But I maybe it's because the Dead Meat YouTube channel just dropped that video on this. I got to go with Mortal Kombat Annihilation. And a lot of CGI in that. Like a lot of blue screen and green screen does not look good. And when Liu Kang and Shao Kahn turn into the animality creatures. I'm like this does not look good What? So it didn't look good back in the 90s. And it especially does not look good now. And I'm like. And apparently that movie was re- Like. I think it was like they had one test screening and they didn't get a chance to change anything, and the studio just put it out. That's why it's so rough as it is, and there's so many inconsistencies. But yeah, so my choice for CGI does not hold up. It has to be Mortal Kombat Annihilation.
1: I'm sorry, Tim. Until next week, no Mortal Kombat film has existed after the first one in
3: 1995. <laughs> <laughs> so, I,
1: I saw the I think I believe I saw the sequel once as a kid. <laughs> Nope.
2: <laughs> like in the advent of YouTube now, just pull up the fights on YouTube. Do that and save yourself a hundred minutes of a movie that you don't need to watch.
1: Or you can just put in Street Fighter and watch that instead. At least that's got Raul
2: Julia in it. <sighs> yeah, but like that's that's like giant douche and turd sandwich right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're a turd sandwich.
2: <laughs> yes, I know that. I fully admit that. Does <laughs> uh, that, that, that change the point? Yeah, Raul Julia <laughs> is having the time of his life. And while he's... Uh, mm, poor choice of words there. Uh, oh. I know. I felt bad at saying that. I just but, made
1: myself sad.
2: <laughs> but like, hey, you want to see JCVD coked out in a movie the entire time? There you go. He got Street Fighter the movie.
1: the little french man to play an american character yeah who
2: who has a who performs a coup d'etat on a sovereign nation to get to get the bad guy you're wondering like wait i don't know if this is like i don't know if i agree with your your decisions here sir are you the UN people too like I don't really like this is me being the over i adult like I don't know about this like sure you have an incoherent speech that somehow riles up the troops but I don't know sir
1: much like a wrestling promo, he's getting ready to fight the ultimate warrior at Wrestlemania next weekend
2: it's uh, it's more coherent than the ultimate warrior promo
0: so Jared, what is your choice for uh, CGI that hasn't aged very well?
1: I believe I went the same year as Tim, and uh, the first movie that popped in my head, I went with, and I went with 1997's Spawn, because the 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 cape stuff looks good with Spawn, but the hell scene just drags me down every time. It looks like a bad Microsoft ninety-five screensaver, and they threw like a million bucks at that too. We
2: can't, we can't animate Mel just jaw to speak. It's apparently gonna be, not. <laughs>
3: it's
2: gonna be slack jawed and he's still gonna speak somehow. You're wondering, like, wait, what? That doesn't, that does not make sense. Well,
1: well, allegedly, they wanted the filmmaker said they didn't want it, that. Was, that was purposefully because they wanted it to sound like he was speaking throughout hell. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, a- hey, listen, when uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey had a better rendition of hell five years before you, might be doing something wrong here. When especially hell supposed to be like a huge ma- landscape in the Spawn universe. 'Cause I, I know that at one point they wanted to have Malboja to be a puppet. I'm like, why not go that route? It looks so much better.
2: That's that's the same like argument saying that the room was always supposed to be a comedy. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh hi, Mark. <laughs> uh, that that's bullshit. It was supposed to be comedy the whole time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh hi, Annette.
0: <laughs> uh
1: <laughs> Blank stares from Melissa. <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: I I got Bill and Ted's bogus journey and lost me after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um uh, as much as I love Spawn and especially it came out in a time when comic book films were they had to be like around right the time of Batman and Robin, so they weren't at the hot commodity as they are now before like Blade brought comic book films back, but Spawn just kind of get, fell between the couch cushions of uh comic book films, and uh, because I, I there's a lot of good performances, like Michael J. White's got a good performance, Sal Simmons and John Leguizamo is the clown, great, but every time they take you to hell, it just looks like a bad Microsoft screensaver.
3: If that's what that I was a
1: million, that's a million bucks, that's a million bucks in the screen, there, folks. For another five, you get Henry Cavill's upper lip in Justice League.
2: I never understand why Paramount didn't let him shave it. It's not like just getting testosterone pills at that. He'll grow it back quicker. And some of the, sh- some of the shots look worse than others for the mustache. Like the cell phone footage at the beginning, like, mm, that's the worst of it. But some of it, like, Later on, it doesn't look too bad, in my opinion. But, yeah. But I'm kinder than that movie than most people.
1: <laughs> I, I can be kind to it. But, yeah, Spawn is uh, that million-dollar hellscape is uh, what puts it on my pick as CGI effects didn't age well at all. So, here's the here's hoping that when we get the Jamie Foxx Spawn film, they put at least $2 million towards it. <sighs>
2: Well, Tom McFarlane says he wants to finance it himself, but I don't know how low the budget is going to be then. like, I know he's a rich man, but what's he going to do, sell his baseballs to fund the movie?
3: <laughs>
1: to sell a lot of uh, toys, too. Bring back that Seven Deadly Sin line of McFarlane action figures.
2: Jeez. I bet you he's probably made more money with toys than in the comics. with for Everything with Image. Yeah.
0: All right, Ugh. so here's my pick for um, CJ that has not aged well. Um, I picked Tron. <laughs> it doesn't look good whatsoever now.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and let Tim do his thing.
2: I'm going to wait. I'm gonna wait oh, I want to hear our Melissa's <laughs> feelings.
0: I'm sure at the time it was cool. I mean, you know, I'm sure at the time it was, you know, um, but now it really, I don't know, it kind of, I don't know if it really dates itself, but it really doesn't look cool. (laughs) And that's all I have to say on that one. I'll let you voice your opinion, Tim. <laughs> oh.
2: I understand. I understand why. Because it's, <laughs> you, you gotta think, the Atari was still a big video game system at the time. It was a big arcade thing. And, like, if anybody who's curious about video game history, there's a great history book on video games and how... Atari lost hundreds of millions of dollars each year in the nineteen eighties, like after nineteen eighty two, and you're wondering how they stole around. That's aside the point. But yeah, E.T. Guess, Yeah, well yes. Uh, dude had like six weeks to make that game, so I don't hold that against him. <laughs> and he did it like like by himself, but um yeah, like I, I understand it because yeah, it is very dated. But like me, this is me being hipster. Like ah, it's retro like that. That's why it looks so cool and everything. But I'm not gonna begrudge anybody who doesn't like it because yeah, like the light cycle. Like yeah, we could only do hard right angles. That's how. That's because otherwise we can't animate in curves. Mm-hmm. And like oh, like yeah, our face looks very dark because we have so much blue screen around us and everything. Um, what have you? I, I'm not. I. I'm not as hurt as as I thought I was gonna be when he made this choice.
0: Because <laughs> once in a while, I can I can be nice with films. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that that was one that I I kind of immediately thought of, and yeah, um, I, I mean the the film is fine for what it is, but yeah, it really. Um, it hasn't aged very well, unfortunately, but I don't but, it know. A great,
1: but it gave us a great inspiration for a segment of Treehouse of Horror in The Simpsons.
2: That is true.
1: Chief Wiggum and Homer Simpson, the only two that have ever seen the movie Tron.
2: Rich Young, guys? You never saw it? it's Tron. That was a terrible Homer. That was a terrible Homer. <laughs> I've had some good impressions and some of them are bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we've we've heard your Barney Gumble before and that one's pretty good, but uh,
2: that that's what yeah. makes it hurts to do that one.
1: <laughs> well, you oh didn't hear my Bad Jamaican Gal Gadot last time we <laughs> recorded. Oh. <the> <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, and I knew in my head it's I don't need to do Israeli, but I want Jamaican. I, I had like a I had like a, a a moment of a scar face from uh Half baked. I guess it always just sounded. Why did you tell him Mr. Nice Guy is Jamaican? He just always sounded Jamaican in my head,
2: yo. <laughs> uh, it, it was funny. Uh, I actually was quoting Barney Gobble to myself when I was driving. Um, I don't just normally talk to myself driving often.
1: Uh, uh,
2: and I quoted don't cry the...
1: for me. I'm already dead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was him and wade boggs arguing who had the who, which was england's greatest prime minister I'm like lord Palmaton! and i did that i did the whole scene as i'm sitting at a red light but i'm driving to my friend mike's house to record our halloween resurrection commentary and i felt my voice like starting to break a little bit I'm like oh no don't tell me i just screwed up my voice before we started before we had to record luckily it didn't it didn't come to that but i was like like, you dope, you, you blew out your voice doing a pressure for one. No one else around. not even people to listen everything.
1: <laughs> me, and my, me and my brother and my dad were just talking about the Don Mattingly part of that episode last
2: <laughs> week. <laughs> I told you to trim those sideburns. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: jeez, Louise. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, vote, vote Quimby.
0: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've talked about um, you know practical and and CGI effects that have either not aged well or have aged well, what would you say is an underrated film that uses either practical or CGI? Any um, your pick. I, I
2: thought of like one that actually thankfully incorporates both and the choice i went with is the original uh, starship troopers Ooh. because i think the cgi oh, nice. looks really good and a lot of the actual bugs we see up close and personal look fantastic and they still hold up well and yeah i mean i like i don't need an excuse to talk about paul verhoeven and his movies and i have found a reason to do it here and i'm like yeah, like the brain bug, and then just the arachnids themselves. Uh, and even like all this, the space uh, stuff uh, during the points of that movie holds up really well uh, in my opinion. It The only reason it didn't win an Oscar for Best Visual Effects is because it came out the same year as Titanic. Yeah. Which makes sense. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to, I'm not one of those people who's like, Titanic sucks, man. Like, I'm not one of those people. I really dig Titanic. Yeah, I could fully admit that. But I will fight people who says, yeah, Jack could fit on the door. Duh. It wouldn't have floated, though. He tries to get on it and starts to sink. It's buoyancy. He could fit on the the, the giant door. It just wouldn't have floated both of them. So he sacrificed himself. That's the one thing. That's the one argument that I'm like, all right. I'm going to go to jail fighting somebody at a bar one night because of that. And when I have to go to the judge to tell him why, I will happily serve my 90 days of community service picking up trash because I will feel vindicated right there.
1: <laughs> That'd be a headline. I'd be willing to see it. I'd, I'd love to see Long Island Man Jailed Defense Titanic.
2: More than 11. <laughs> More than 11. <laughs>
1: And that is a good pick. I didn't even think about that at all because I had not seen Starship Troopers in forever. Probably at least 10 years.
2: Yeah, like I always go back to RoboCop and Total Recall. Like those are like, I watch those at least once a year, sometimes more. Um, Starship Troopers I don't go back to enough and I do believe I'm going to try and rectify that.
1: Like I am too now. Not the three or four sequels that spawned out after it, but
2: uh, yeah, I mean, first movie has like a 100 million dollar budget. The next one had like a million dollars and it just goes down low from there. I mean, like that like I like I love the Hatchet series, but they have like the same budget as the Hatchet movies later on. I'm like, "Oh, you can't do a sci-fi epic on this budget. I'm sorry."
1: Get the guys that did Hell and Spawn on the phone. We got a million
2: dollars to work with. <laughs> It's a it's a producer scheme. They're trying to scam it. That that's how they're trying to that's how they're trying to get rid of a million dollars.
1: How can how can we have Casper Van Deen talk without his mouth moving? Oh.
2: <laughs> well, apparently he's a it's nice like, dude. Apparently he's a very nice guy, Casper Van Deen. Yeah,
1: it's like he's speaking through space.
0: <laughs> 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 so, Jared, what's your underrated film?
1: Uh... I guess it's my turn to play a Marvel card, and I went with uh, Ghost Rider. Nicolas Cage, Ghost Rider. Um, Looking back, I I do love some of the transformation scenes of him turning into the Ghost Rider, Nicolas Cage. Um, How he takes down some of the elementals, especially, I had it written down here. Uh, Ambigore, the wind one, how he takes his chain, whips it around, gets him that little cyclone. And just even the effects of the penance stare, I think look so good. Uh, I believe this one came out in 2007 then you look at the sequel that came out a few years later the 2007 Ghost Rider looks so much better compared to the sequel, Spirit of Vengeance and to how Ghost Rider looked on uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't watch a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but I just looked at how, how they finally brought Ghost Rider over when Marvel finally reacquired the rights to him. i like, a, why they stick him on Agents of Shield, and two, yeah, it's still Mickey Mouse's coin purse that we're working with here. But why is it? Why does the film that Sony made look so much better? Yeah, one's on film, one's on TV, but I still think Nicolas Cage's uh, Johnny Blaze looks so much better in uh, 2007, and it does. I don't think it gets enough credit, even the transformation scene with uh, Sam Elliott, or when they're riding side by side in the desert to send the Gonza Just looks so damn good.
2: I will, will say, yeah, like some of the moments that, that stick out in my mind. Like one is obviously when they're riding side by side in the desert. And when I think about that movie, I think about it's when he's riding down the side of the building where like he like the camera's looking straight down the building. He comes flying out and he whips the chain around the building in slow motion and rides it down. But there is don't they like CGI abs on Nicolas Cage at one point that look kind of iffy?
1: Uh, I think they denied that. Core uh, 9DB, I think that's been brought up, and I guess that was been denied. Okay. Yeah. But another great scene that when he uh, uses his chain to pull down the helicopter. Mm. You're pissing me off.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Ghost Rider from 2007 is my uh, pick for underrated CG effects.
0: choice my underrated film is going way back and i picked the invisible man the original not the new one the original because just the the effects and how they they did it like it just seems like so simple and yet it still looks amazing like it's still effective it still looks really cool and it really I actually did a little bit of research on it, and I couldn't believe how much it cost them to do all the like the effects and stuff that they did. It cost them uh three hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. And I was like, "Whoa. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, adjust that for inflation though.
0: Yeah. but like just, yeah. Um, but anyway, the the point is that like for that film, the effects and everything, um, it, it still looks amazing for the time that the film came out. Um, it's it's still really, and I mean it's it's one of my absolute favorite Universal monster films ever. So, but I, I think it still looks really really good.
1: So they only offered up what three hundred thousand uh, dollars. I was doing research on John Carpenter as a thing. They said that they only offered up, Universal only offered up two hundred thousand dollars for special effects for the thing, and they asked for more. Like we've never given that much to a monster film before.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and like, but both budgets they show. I mean, I'm not saying as a negative. Like, no, I'm saying as a positive. Like they're able to every dollar is up on the screen, especially in Invisible Man, and even to this day, Mm -hmm. like. The bike riding by itself like wait what how is that possible or the pants go frolicking down the road scaring people like just this man messing with people is always is always a good time or the floating money tray
0: yeah yeah um what i really love is is um when he's unwrapping the bandages and apparently like Claude Rain's head, like there's collar shirt, everything. His head's like down here, and there's like a wire, a thin wire frame, and he's there unwrapping it. Like you don't even see that at all. Like he, it just, it just blows my mind. <laughs> so yeah, that, and I think it's, I, I honestly think it's, it's underrated, honestly.
1: Then they also do, like, the black... I thought I heard our friends Robert and India and in Pods and Monsters talk about that, too. Then they have, like, uh, him wearing some sort of, like, black velvet, too, underneath, yeah, and they remove it.
0: He had uh, black velvet on his head and feet. And then he... um, And then for, like, the costume, whatever he would wear for whatever was required for whatever scene. And that's basically... And then um it was shot against black velvet like everything was covered in it and so that it wouldn't be reflective and then he had him and yeah that's basically like how they did it i mean there's a whole process to to really how they filmed it but it's just amazing black it, it velvet seems so if simple, you please
2: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a great choice.
1: Yeah. Just had upstage of us all by going back to the thirties.
2: Yeah, like I feel kind of foolish. I'm like, oh, I only went back to the nineties right there, so <laughs> shoot.
0: <laughs> it was it was um kind of a tough choice. Like I, I was juggling a whole bunch of other choices, but that one it, it that's what it came down to. So that's what I picked. <laughs> <laughs> not meaning to upstage anybody. <laughs>
1: I remember when I was digging around online looking for like bad effects that don't hold up, I think American Sniper got picked up a lot for the fake baby.
2: Oh. Like like, like if you look close up, you see the, te- the 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 Furbies like logos on and stuff like that. You're like, "Wait, that's not supposed to be there." <laughs> uh it, it's yeah, like I mean like somehow the baby in dead alive, look more real than the <laughs> one that, and that's a zombie baby that's being smashed in the face. If,
1: if, <laughs> if, if the spectrum is fake baby in American sniper and CGI baby in
2: twilight, <laughs> oh God. The, um, it, it's a wide margin of believability and unbelievability. um, <laughs> It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to screw that up. But apparently people do.
1: How hard can it be to find a baby?
2: Like <laughs> I understand. Like, or like, I understand because Clint Eastwood moves so fast and everything. And child labor laws, especially working with babies, is very uh, narrow. But just like, I don't know. At that point, like get an animatronic. Spend a little money for that, so it can, I don't know, wiggle in your arms, and not just like you, you just open a Fisher-Price thing and shove it into. Uh, the it. uh, Toys R Us arms. was
1: still thing back then. You could have gone and gotten a Polly Pissy Pants doll that would move its arms a little bit, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Why did I say the doll? Okay. Why did
1: I say the doll from South from South Park? Probably pissy pants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now we've come to my curveball question. <laughs> it's not it's not a brain melter. I'll tell you that much. But um, if you had the opportunity to create a film using either practical or CG effects, what would you pick? With you, you have a decent budget, so you have a bit of money to play with. What would you pick, Jim?
2: And you can only use one.
0: Or both if you wanted to.
2: I would use both because there are times where, like, even like I said, I've used CGI blood in the past because I can't throw blood all over these walls when you know, I don't own this place and, I and it'll take too long to clean up. Yeah, it looks cheap and everything, but like Time is money. Um, I'd spend primarily on practical, but I would allow some CGI effects to be in there just as a safety net and just like to remove a few things. Mm. But yeah, I know that, that sounds like a cop out of an answer, but that's like I'd want in the words of Van Halen, I want best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just to be just to be sure he was quoting that and not Miley Cyrus not that best of both I didn't gonna... even know
2: that was a thing so yeah uh, no is I had it, Michael Anthony in the back are. of my head
3: wink <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was Rooney all
2: along oh uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I hope that meme never dies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Jared, what would you pick? What would you have the opportunity to make a film, practical or CGI or both?
1: Well, since I'm on the spot here, under the uh, under the spotlight here, I would probably go pra- I'd, I'd probably go the routes of the '80s and do like a, a slasher film using practical effects channel miner tom savini and I don't, I don't i'm not saying i could reach the levels of kevin bacon getting an arrow through the throat or uh <laughs> and like that but i think it when i think of practical effects a lot i think a lot of horror films get use them a lot mm-hmm. those that was always the first thing that came to my mind when i was trying to think of these that i want to pick all horror films for my choices but i i would go like a route into like an 80s slasher film using practical effects because i think they just look so much better even if it looks as bad as uh, Friday 3 D and the guy getting his head crushed,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: uh,
2: like that was almost a choice for my bad practical effects. Was that I'm like, but my like, do I hold that one effect against the whole movie? And I'm like, no. Um, but I I forget. Speaking of that, there's some channel. I don't know if it was like it's the channel like Ozzy man reviews, where it's like an Australian dude reviewing just things that footage that he sees it's either that or some other channel where it's like they're doing, Oh, they're doing um, Jason's internal monologue uh, of what's going on <laughs> right there. Like, like when it's that scene where the, where she's where Jason's got Derek's head and he's like, Ooh, and he's like, no, everything's fine right here. Everything's fine. Right here. There's a little quiet right now. And his the head popping, the eyeball popping out. And I'm like, that's hilarious right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Cinema Snob and watched him do go through all the Friday Thirteenth films, and those are quite hilarious. His little one-off jokes. Uh, well, I sent you the Ben Tramer collection, <laughs> <laughs> the Ben Tramer joke compilation.
2: Every now and then, like whenever my friend Mike Wilson and I, like we hit like a really bad joke in our personal time, like we just like, oh, that's terrible. We'll We'll reference a cinema snob and we'll just like, we'll pull out, we'll pretend to pull out a bubble gun and be like, 3D and try to cover any bad humor we've just said.
1: That, that was the one episode I couldn't watch just because that, that episode gave me a headache. That was, oh. that was bad. But me and my buddy Mikey at work, uh, who's been on the show before, we, we started doing the whole Ben Tramer thing and we were helping a little DPS truck the other day. And we I said something to Mikey, hey, Mikey, you know what helped help us load this truck? Who? Ben Tramer.
3: <laughs>
1: Rose is like, who? I like, oh I feel like Bill, I felt like Bill Marine scrooged. Nobody gets me.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but what about you, Melissa? What would you choose?
0: I would I would pick practical because I really I, I love the the creativity and what you could do with it and for me i would it would be a lot of fun to make like a monster movie and almost like you know your your old school cheesy monster films um, and it would be using practical effects um, definitely. so that that would be my pick because I, I really love practical effects. I love the creativity and just everything that goes goes into making these things and um so yeah, that would be that would be my pick.
1: Everybody, get your shot glasses out. It's gonna be starring Barbara Crampton.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everybody, drink.
2: An <laughs> official mascot like that. That like, if you're gonna make like a like a still of to promote this episode, it's just a bunch of pictures of Barbara Crampton, nothing else. And yeah. you're wondering like, how does Barbara Crampton fit into this episode title? Like, oh, you'll find out.
0: Just just you wait.
2: (laughs) We'll even tag her on uh, Twitter. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm sure she'd be flattered, but also be like, God, just shake her head at us like, oh, jeez. These three really are lonely.
0: (laughs) 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 Yep.
1: It'll just be pictures of her from uh, Puppet Master where she's only in like one scene. And then out the rest of the film.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like in the Beyond where she's like in an S&M gear at one point. When...
3: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, we kept her clothed. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: she's what still do you want from us?
1: <laughs> well, join wow. us next time for episode two of the Barbara Crampton podcast. <laughs>
2: I'm sure you could probably build a whole podcast just around her filmography because she's been so prolific. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So at the end of the day, um, for films, like, what what's your... I maybe mean, we already kind of asked the question, but, like, um, practical or CG? Like, what's your, your preference at the end of the day for for films?
2: Practical. Even if I gave the cop an answer of, like, I'd want to use both, no, there is a... There's a tactileness, there is a the eye I, I think it's just because the human eye knows like the uncanny valley is a thing, and you can tell when something is real and when something isn't.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Especially when it comes to something like fire or water. I think just human beings know what the how fire and water moves, and so you can kinda of tell like, oh, that's not real. And mm-hmm. going back to something what Jared said, like where like Tom Savini specifically, my favorite like practical effect like in a movie is Tom Savini's death in Maniac. Spoilers. Oh where, yeah. Where yeah. the maniac jumps on the hood and just shoots a shotgun through the windshield, and which is a real shotgun that they're blowing up Tom Savini's head, mm-hmm. Uh the fake head. Now they didn't just kill Tom Savini on camera. <laughs> uh, that'd be uh, that'd just be like, oh no, this is like. We have to file this movie under the cannibal holocaust uh, moniker <laughs> where they actually kill oh. things on screen. <laughs> so, cannibal holocaust once and now where it's like, nah, I'm fine. Animal cruelty is where I draw the line. Yeah. Humans, yeah, screw them. I don't care. But when you kill animals on screen, I'm like, no. That's a bridge too far. But yeah, practical effects is the way to go in my eyes.
0: What, what about you, Jared?
1: uh practical effects uh even though i have a degree in computer graphics taking 3d modeling classes i still prefer practical effects even it it forces a more uh, i agree with everything what tim just said too but also it forces your team your creative team to get more creative with what they're doing
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and you can have your performers rebounce it off something that's actually there instead of oh imagine there's a seven foot tall antlered creature standing right here in front of you. You need to act, you need to reflect off of that. <laughs> well, I didn't, we'll get it in post. When mm-hmm. you look back at something as low as because I almost picked this one too for it didn't hold up and uh, the toxic avenger. When you look at some how low budget the trauma films are, do they look the best? No, but they're so creative. They went and did something like talk about killing people, running over a kid's head in the first toxic avenger film. It's it's a, it forces you to be creative, and I think you get a better product in the long run, and it looks a lot better. There, CG has its place,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but if, and I guess it all might depend on the genre you go with too. Like what what kind of film you're trying to to go with? Because maybe if you try to do a comic book film, maybe practical won't be won't be the best. So you have to go CG. Like you gonna paint Lou Ferrigno green for a Incredible Hulk movie in 2021? Are you gonna have a uh, Mark Ruffalo, all CG.painted tacos to Paul Rudd in Avengers Endgame.
3: <laughs>
0: What's gonna
1: look better? Well, I'd say practical.
0: Yeah, I, I'm definitely on that same boat of uh, practical effects. Um, I, I just, like I kind of said before, you know, I, I love the creativity and the resourcefulness, and just you know, the so much goes into you know making creatures making. You know all these things, and you know, and and it really does make, you know, the the acting so much more genuine because it's something that they can see. They can, you know, imagine how, like it, might move or things like that, and they can just react better to it. Whereas, you know, um, like Harry Potter, like Dobby, he he was a, or, I think he was an orange ball on a stick. Like that that's all he was. And that's still I'm, more
1: tolerable than actual Dobby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I definitely I, I love practical effects. I think it's really cool and just you know, the the imaginations of these people and how they they create these things is just really amazing and and how you know they, they want to get a certain effect, and how the the process to go to to creating that and making it effective and making it look absolutely flawless is just incredible, so yeah I'm definitely I'm team practical effects too <laughs> very nice mm-hmm. Any other final thoughts before we bring it on home?
1: I love Barbara Crampton. <laughs>
2: Well, it goes without saying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a really fun conversation to have and really begs my noodle there for a little bit of trying to figure out like a bad practical effects one. Like I almost went I chose something like from like the fifties, like like them with the giant ants or what have you. But I'm like, is that is that like kicking um somebody who's down and something like that, like, hey, some of those movies were not made with huge budgets and like is that really fair to do that movie? Yeah. So it, it forced me to be more creative and dig a little deeper, which I was very thankful for. And uh, yeah, uh, that's my fault. thought. I mean, that's my summation.
0: <laughs> Any other thoughts, Jared? Other than your your love of Barbara Crampton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so just to piggyback off of what Tim said, it, it's it was so hard to find the practical effects that didn't age well because you're putting that sometimes you're putting that corner mm. and you had no other resources but to do that, and you really do not want to crap on the film for doing that. It might not look the best, but you know what? They got creative with it. Like, mm. so I, I, I do enjoy watching the Garbage Pail Kids movie just because how bad it is. Well you watch those talking heads and it's like, well look at Hoggle from 2 years prior from Labyrinth. I don't I'm like not saying that they had Jim Henson work creature workshop money to create that, but like, oh, you give him a give him a cookie and a gold star for trying, I guess with these, but uh mm-hmm. is it uh the guy that did the puppet heads too is it John Bugler? He he had a pretty good resume outside of that film, so
3: gotcha.
2: Mm-hmm. You just
1: you just hate the crap on films like that because they, they tried.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like that's I'm, why like I sometimes I feel bad. Like when there's a really bad movie like nobody sets out to, to make a bad movie. Um so Except
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure he's doing it on purpose. I think he believes he's making arts.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I've said it before. I've said it a million times. Props to Neil Breen for doing what he's doing, doing what he loves to do. But I think I've told Melissa, like, you watch a Neil Breen film, you'll never crap on a major motion studio film ever again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag eyes on Breen. That's all I got to say.
1: <laughs> but you no, know, he's out there doing his dream.
2: Uh, Yeah, shooting community colleges and pretending that's uh, I don't know, some kind of research facility. I don't know. Oh, jeez.
1: Watch watch, watch the Cinema Snob do Neil Breen films. Those are pretty good. Oh, Lord. I think he's done the first four Neil Breen films, and they're pretty funny. I think I sent one to Melissa. I think I sent uh, Fateful Findings, the one he's trying to hack into the government.
0: Uh... (laughs) <laughs> it it's it is pretty funny. Uh I'll be, I'll be honest.
1: <laughs> oh, oh good, that guy's on his way. Wait, who the fuck is that
2: guy? <laughs> 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 this is like he's like on a green screen, like in 90% of that movie.
1: I think so.
0: Uh. Yep.
1: And Melissa, what about you? Final thoughts?
0: Um yeah, this was this was a a uh, fun topic to discuss and I'm really happy we finally got to to talk about it and um it definitely you know I I didn't think it was it was going to be too much of a challenge but it definitely challenged challenged me and I think it challenged all of us collectively and but in a good way though cuz it, it made us think about the films and things and and um yeah the the hardest being you know the the bad um Practical effects, because, yeah, like I I just, you know, I I love practical effects and, you know, it's really hard to pick a film because it's it's people putting their what they're, you know, they wrote down on paper and putting on screen. So this is what they, they pictured in their mind, what they put on paper and what they wanted to see. And you can't bash that creativity. You know, it's this is what they wanted to do. And this is their image and. You know, so you, you can't really crap on it too much. But I, I know, you know, some, it, they, they they had the right idea, but maybe it just didn't turn out the right way or something. But maybe if they had a little bit more money, a little bit resources, things like that, maybe it could have turned out better. But you know what? Gold star for, for the effort that they put into it. So, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been a lot of fun.
2: I agree. And uh, like I said before, thank you again for uh, including me here. I know it was a, <clears throat> a long time coming for me to podcast with you two. And yeah, it is a really interesting topic to be the be the first time being on the show. And I hope it won't
0: be the last. Mm-hmm. Definitely would love to have you back. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and an absolute blast. Um, so where can our listeners find you on the social medias and things?
2: Well, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at this is Tim Rooney, Rooney as an R O O N E Y, uh, my podcast, the anything goes podcast, or please rewind the RF 4 RM retro show, uh, as well as my YouTube channel through lens productions, YouTube.com slash through the lens productions where all my short films and my video essays that I'm doing right now are up. And yeah, the most recent episode I did on that was uh how Edgar Writes The World's End changed my life and have a bunch of things in the hopper for that. And uh yeah, so I'm easily accessible and uh I look forward to interacting with people if people decide to follow me.
0: Which I hope they do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so jared can you lead us out on where um you can find us as a podcast
1: yes as a podcast you can find us on all social media platforms facebook twitter and instagram at nerd nations podcast um as a podcast you can also listen to us on apple google podcasts iHeartRadio. radio in our home pod bean, where you can cram us in your ear balls, I believe is what I said last episode. That got yeah. a few chuckles out of people.
3: <laughs>
1: and uh, don't be afraid to uh, reach out on us to an email at nerdnightnationspodcast at gmail.com. Melissa, where can they follow you if they choose to?
0: Oh, they can find me on Instagram, um, at N 25 all lowercase, nothing fancy, no underscores, stars, random emojis, just simple N 25 um, And they can also, if they want, um, if they're interested in art, things like that, I have a page where I post all my drawings and things that I do, and it's called uh, Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. And that's where they can find me. And where can they find you, Jared?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista underscore J, my tribute to the greatest comic book character of all time, the Joker. Um, I know I've been teasing it for some time, and I have not produced anything yet, but I am working on a YouTube channel with my buddy Mikey, we've heard in the show, called Two Aging Bearded Nerds, where <laughs> we look back at all those films, those family films, that were students did not give a shit about scaring kids. So, uh I know I've been working on that for a while. It's coming, guys. Just be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Tim, thank you for being on the show again. It was great having you.
2: Of course. And two things. One, uh, Alyssa, I really enjoyed your Mike Wazowski uh, drawing that you recently did. Oh, uh, it nice. was really good. And in terms of your upcoming YouTube channel, I'll quote Toy Story 2. You can't rush art. So there you go.
1: If that's what we're calling it. You're right.
2: <laughs> it's a wide banner. So you might as well shield yourself with that. If anybody's going to give you criticism for it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. We've got our first subscriber already.
2: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And again, thank you again for having me on here. It was a, it was a blast to talk with you too, especially about this topic.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely have you back. And, uh, be sure to tune in next time where we will be kicking off Mental Health Awareness Month for May. Where we'll be talking about Tim Burton's Dumbo, uh, a film Melissa and I both listed as a feel-good film last year. So, are you ready for that? So, Melissa, why don't you get us out of here?
0: <laughs> well, it's still, you know, um, a pretty kind of... Drury time at the moment and with everything going on but the most important thing you can do is be excellent to each other
1: and party on dudes (laughs) thanks for listening Barbara Crampton the thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone
0: and do not represent the companies they happen to work for Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening, guys.